Man, we gotta start using Apple Cash. Okay, why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Oh, that is nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff like at a store with Apple Pay. I don't have to do all that bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. Easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay. Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Criminalia, where this season we are exploring the lives and motivations of some of the most notorious lady poisoners throughout history. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Maria Tremarchi. And the poisoner that we're talking about today is Marianne Cotton, who is best known for lethally poisoning as many as 21 people. And she used this season's most popular poison. That's right, you're getting more arsenic talk today. Arsenic is my favorite. It's my favorite. We always talk about it. Uh, I heart arsenic shirts coming soon. Right, exactly. I'm going to open a store. But uh, with those kinds of numbers, she became known as Britain's first serial killer. So let's look first at how Marianne grew up. Uh, She was born on Halloween, which I don't know if everyone knows this, is Holly's favorite day of the year. Every Uh, day is Halloween (laughs) in my heart. (laughs) 
1832. She was born in 1832 to um, Michael and Margaret Robson. And their family was working class and they were very strict Methodists. So that sets her scene as a kid. And during her childhood, Mary Ann was described as, and we quote, exemplary and distinguished for her particularly clean and tidy appearance. She regularly attended Wesleyan Sunday School, and it was also said of her, and again, we're quoting here, she was regarded as a girl of innocent disposition and average intellect. I mean, all, all pretty good things, right? Um, right, right up to that average intellect. It's, right, uh, it's I know, very right? That's kind of like a, that's a little knife to the heart right at the it's end. It's like complimentary, <laughs> complimentary, wah, wah. Right. <laughs> so... Outside of that clean and tidy appearance and average intellect, um, Marianne's childhood uh, doesn't actually sound very much like a happy one. Her father, when she was young, he was a strict disciplinarian, and he worked as a coal miner. And as a coal miner, one day, tragedy struck, um, which you can imagine what tragedy in coal mining could be. So in February of 1842, he fell to his death down a narrow 300-foot mine shaft. So at a, a very young age, she was probably only about 10 when this happened, Mary Ann was forced to go to work. And within a year, or just a few years, depending on which you're reading, Mary Ann's mother married another miner. This was a man named George Stott with a T. Or his name was George Scott with a C. Or it might have even been Robert Scott. That whole there sentence... Are... Makes me laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it happens a lot when you're looking at, at historical records, particularly when you're going by people's recollected accounts. Right. You'll and, find some interesting variations. And handwriting can be very difficult as well to read. It's just yes. Scott or Scott or maybe Robert. <laughs> right. And there are references to all three of these names. And uh, the Robert is kind of a surprise among the Georges. But again, I think so. these things happen. But we feel pretty confident that her stepfather's name was, in fact, George Stott with a T. And so we're sticking with that. Right. So anyway, regardless of whether or not he was a George or a Robert, um, Mary Ann did not like her new stepfather. And she didn't like how strict he was. So... She left home at the age of 16 to pursue nursing, which she did for about three years before she returned back to her child home so that she could train as a dressmaker. So this will obviously sound sexist uh, to listeners today, but it was certainly very true at the time that it was hard for a working class woman to make her way in the world in the mid-19th century without the financial security that marriage offered. Certainly happened on occasion, but those were the outliers. Right. So Marianne went the traditional route, sort of. Uh, and as we're about to get into, <laughs> she was actually married four times in her life. Although one of those times, uh, bigamously. Yeah, which we'll get into in a little bit. But it's a little early, but we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And when we return, we're going to go into detail about each of these four marriages. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, -day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect 
And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Your home should be your haven, and everyone wants to feel safe at home. If you travel a lot, it's really important that your home is secure when you're gone and that your pets are also safe. Simply Safe is advanced home security that puts you first. Simply Safe sent me a home security package, and I was really blown away by all the cameras and the quality of them. When I travel, I could check in on my cats anytime, day or night, and I sleep better knowing that once our alarm is set at night, I know that I'll be alerted if anyone tries to enter the house. Simply Safe has been named in U.S. News and World Report's best home security systems for five years running. It's also been ranked best customer service in home security by Newsweek. By partnering with Simply Safe, I've finally gotten real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get an exclusive 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. 
Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes. Clothing that not only promises, but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. Welcome back to Criminalia. All right, let's uh, dig into the wedded bliss of Marianne Cotton, if you can call it that. So let's talk about her first husband. So in 1852, Mary Ann married William Mowbray. And William worked as a foreman, and then later he was a fireman on a steam vessel. Uh, He was a working-class man. They had five children together quickly while they were married, but four of them died of typhoid fever. The couple then went on to have and also lose three more children during their marriage. And later, and I, I really feel this is just a sad statement of her mental health that this statement gives us, Marianne would struggle to remember just how many children she had and had lost during that marriage to William. Just a few years into the marriage, so again, she was having children at a pretty quick pace, William unexpectedly died of an intestinal disorder, another suspected case of typhoid fever, just as what had taken the lives of his children. The newly widowed Marianne was left with one child and an insurance payout equivalent to half a year of William's salary. So we always mention that it's really hard to get, you know, exact at all when you're trying to calculate what, for example, 35 pounds at this time would be equivalent to in today's money. But uh, our estimation is that Marianne's payout was about 4,500 pounds. For Americans, that's Currently, just shy of about $6,000. Not a huge amount, but not unsubstantial either. Still pretty significant, I think, in Marianne's time. Shortly thereafter, there actually turned out to be that many of the loved ones in Marianne's life began dying under some mysterious circumstances. So not long after William's death, Marianne began a relationship with Joseph Natris. She also was involved at the time with a man named John Quick Manning. But when it comes to John, there's uh, something a bit strange. There don't appear to be any records of any kind. We're talking like census, birth, death, mentions, anything to prove John Quick Manning's existence. So, you know, we we talk about this all all the time, that records were not perfectly kept. They weren't perfectly kept in the 1800s. You know, there were trouble with them in the 1900s. Before that, there might have not even been any. Um, But there have also been a lot of records lost over the years, whether it's fires or wars or even just, you know, something boring like organizational failure. But it's difficult to know exactly what was going on with her relationships at this time. 
However, there was also a man named Richard Quickman, and Richard does appear to have, in fact, existed. He can be found in some records, and many believe that this may be the real name of her lover. You may notice that Richard Quickman and John Quickmanning, some similarities there. This could have been another one of those cases where there's a whoopsie in the, mm-hmm. the communication. <laughs> so soon, Marianne became pregnant by this man, Richard, that is, not Joseph, who she is on record as having been involved with. Right. She got married at this time as well, but she didn't marry Joseph or John or Robert or whatever names we can come up with. She married George. George Ward was an engineer, and I am sad to say that he actually plays a very small role in this story. They had no children. Um, And just a little more than one year after they had wed, George died after an illness and his primary symptoms, which by now we can all guess were intestinal problems. Once again, Marianne collected insurance money from his death. Yeah, if you're putting together a criminalia bingo card, you should probably make sure arsenic and intestinal issues are on there to make sure you're a winner. Right, arsenic and vomiting after <laughs> on there somewhere. <laughs> uh, Mary Ann did get married again. Her third husband was a man named James Robinson, a widower whose wife had died and left him with young children to care for. James is a really interesting part of Marianne's story, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit. It started, though, their relationship when he hired her as a housekeeper. That was in November of 1866. And shortly after she was hired, one of his children, who was still just an infant, died in her care. Devastated by the loss of his child, James turned to Marianne for comfort, and the pair quickly became a couple. So their romance was blossoming, but... Marianne's mother became ill, and it was probably with a hepatitis flare-up, although it changes a little bit. Most of the records suggest that that's what it could be. And so Marianne traveled to be with her to be her caregiver. And despite having been on the mend for a few days before her daughter's arrival, just nine days after Marianne arrived, her mother died. When Marianne returned home, things were pretty quiet for uh, not very long at all, in fact. (laughs) By the end of April 1867, three of James's children had died. Despite all of that bad luck, though, Marianne and James got married that summer, and their first child, a daughter named Margaret Isabella, was born that November. Though she was a healthy baby, uh, Margaret Isabella became ill, and by March, she too had died. Marianne and James had a second child named George, and George was born in June of 1869. So unlike her former husbands, James actually, and this is what we, when we said, he's an interesting character in her life, and this is why. He began to grow suspicious of Marianne, and not just because of the number of deaths that seemed to surround her. Marianne was adamant, and we say that with all caps, that her husband take out a life insurance policy on himself. But James pretty much flat out refused the the request. And it wasn't just that she harped on him about that. He had also found out that she'd been forcing her stepchildren to pawn items from their home for cash. So James wasn't having any of this, and he asked Marianne to leave 
Um, he did, in a surprisingly great move for his son, retain custody of George. And of the four husbands that she had, James is the only one who survived being married to Marianne. Right. And we haven't talked about all of her husbands. So we've gotten to the point where she moves to a fourth marriage. This was to a man named Frederick Cotton. Desperate without a husband, Marianne's friend, Margaret Cotton, introduced Marianne to her brother, Frederick. Frederick was a recent widower as well. He had two children who were named Frederick Jr. and Charles Edward. And it was not long before Marianne and Frederick Cotton were married. Yeah, but there was a small, big problem with Marianne's marriage to Frederick, though. Um, she was still actually legally married to her third husband, James, which makes this fourth marriage to Frederick an act of bigamy, which, as we all know, not legal. Definitely. I always find this to be an interesting aspect of her story because she is known publicly as Marianne Cotton, but that was the one last name that never legally was hers. I know it's 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 sort of kooky, but it's the last name she took. So I understand yes. why it stuck. But, like, but yes. So bigamy, though, was not the only thing that was complicating this this marriage. We're going to use air quotes when we say marriage to Frederick. You'll recall earlier we mentioned a man named Joseph Natras, who was one of Marianne's lovers. She was in a relationship with him, we meant, you know, earlier in this episode. Um, so shortly after she married Frederick, Marianne learned that Joseph had become single again. And hearing about this, she convinced Frederick to move closer to where Joseph lived. But the why of the move was most definitely not known to Frederick, but they packed up and they went, and then she secretly rekindled her old romance. She stayed married to Frederick, but, uh, spoiler alert, not for a whole lot longer, Frederick, their infant son, Robert, Frederick's child from a previous marriage, Frederick Jr., and Frederick's sister, Margaret, who had introduced them, all died very quickly, and all from undetermined stomach ailments. And then, of course, right, Joseph then became ill with suspected typhoid fever, and he also died not long after Frederick had passed away. And conveniently for Marianne, uh, his death happened just after he revised his will in her favor. Yeah, even though they were not married. Right. But um, she got everything. She still got everything. By 1872, Marianne had lost an astonishing number of family members and close friends. Sixteen. Sixteen. But there was one left. Her seven-year-old stepson, Charles Edward, who, just to help everybody keep track, was the son of her fourth husband, who she wasn't legally married to, Frederick, if it feels like this is the time for a flowchart, we concur. Uh, <laughs> I completely agree. There needs to be columns and colors. Right. There <laughs> needs to be branches to... that come right, off. Like, is there more than one? Charles? Is there? I, don't know. I have to just, I have to keep it all together. So um, things get a little bit odd and suspicious at this part of the story. And I'm not suggesting that they weren't suspicious before now, but then this happened. Marianne went to a local workhouse and tried to give Charles, this is Charles Edward, to them. Yes, she did try to give away her stepchild, um, but they refused to take him. Uh, a workhouse, if you happen to be wondering what that is, um, in Victorian England, workhouses were primarily where 
poor and homeless people worked for food and accommodation. Uh, women usually had domestic jobs like sewing, um, men did hard labor such as stone breaking. Uh, they, there's the, uh, the people who live there are also, it could include people who were physically and mentally ill, those who were disabled, elderly people who had nowhere to go. Um, and additionally, unmarried mothers also lived in the workhouses. And so in general, though, these were not places that you really wanted to be. And there were also orphaned and abandoned children who lived there. If you kind of uh, look around in history for very long, you'll find instances of families who were simply too poor to provide for their kids and would give them to a workhouse. But no one ever wants to do that. Uh, Marianne did not come under suspicion until she showed up at a workhouse looking to be done with her stepson. But there are actually two versions of the workhouse story that we want to get into here. Right. So the first one goes like this. Um, When asked if she, a recent widow, was planning to marry the man she was having a relationship with, Richard Quickman, she had gone back to him. Uh, If you recall, he was one of her lovers. Uh, We mentioned earlier, and she allegedly replied, and we quote this reply, It might be so, but the boy is in the way. Perhaps it won't matter, as I won't be troubled long. That's a little ominous. A little bit. A little bit suspicious. A little bit... (laughs) What Just do you mean? a skosh. It's not going to be uh, long? Like, uneasy making. I'll figure this out with your help or without it. Um, <laughs> the second version of this workhouse story goes like this. That the coroner in town asked Marianne to help care for a woman who was ill with smallpox. She was, as you'll recall, trained as a nurse after all, at least for a while. But her response probably was not as he might have expected. Instead of a yes or a no... She replied that if he wanted her to do this, she was going to have to commit her stepson to a workhouse first. When the workhouse thing didn't work out, either whichever story, you know, is true or not, it didn't work out. And poor Charles ended up staying with Marianne and he died within five days. Um, So unlike the dozen or so deaths before him, Charles's death didn't go unnoticed. Uh, We were looking at multiple versions of what went down here, and there are two versions of this story about the death. Yeah, it's the dovetail of, like, splitting realities. There are two versions of the workhouse part and two versions of what actually happened when Charles died. So in the first version, Charles's death seemed suspicious to the manager of the workhouse that Marianne had spoken with, and he contacted the police. This is probably not the real version that happened, though. Right. You know, it's it's difficult to think that, and it, it's hard to find sources that would suggest that five to, you know, even a week later, the manager of the workhouse would even know that that happened. Um, but it is out there, so we want to address it. The second version is where the coroner, who was also a parish official, uh, was suspicious of the child's death after Marianne's comment, and he's the one who went to the police. He also convinced the attending physician to delay writing a death certificate until the circumstances of the boy's death could be investigated. And it's this version where we hear that Marianne also went to the insurance office and discovered that no money would be paid out to her for Charles's death until a death certificate was actually issued. But... Regardless of which of these stories is the real deal, the story ends with the authorities concluding that Marianne had poisoned the boy. And they also suspected that they knew how she had done it with that magical star of the season, (laughs) Arsenic. Arsenic! (laughs) So, 
Finally, after 20 years of mysterious deaths and probable poisonings, it was only after the death of her one stepson that finally the suspicion fell upon Marianne, and the authorities were totally right. We're going to take a quick break from Marianne's story, uh, and we will hear from one of our sponsors. But when we return, we're going to dive into Marianne's trial. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly 
Finally, of note, other Chubb Rub shorts, ingeniously crafted with a moisture-wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing. Perfect for every season. These shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes, offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts. Whether you are at the gym, hiking, or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress, they are your ideal companion. Remember, dear listener, the more you snag, the more you save. With free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Welcome back to Criminalia. So let's get to talking about Marianne's trial and her botched execution. Arsenic was Marianne's weapon of choice, as it was for a lot of people who poisoned in Victorian England. As we have talked about throughout this entire season, arsenic was a very popular poison because it was both easy to administer and easily accessible. It's believed that Marianne's method was to brew poisoned tea and serve it to her victims. She was suspected of all of these poisonings, but... At this point in her story, no one had actually performed any tests, taken any samples. Nothing had happened yet. And in the meantime, a local newspaper became interested in the story, and they started their own investigation into Mary Ann. And their stories inspired a doctor by the name of William Kilburn to do his own scientific investigation. He had actually attended to Charles when the boy was ill, and he had taken and kept samples from his time with him. And when put to the test, Dr. Kilburn confirmed that the samples from Charles's body contained arsenic. He took his results to the police, and Marianne was arrested and charged with murder. So we talk a lot about women who have murdered many people, adults, children, doesn't matter, friends, family. So there is this world where husbands and children could be poisoned without the attention of authorities. But there are there are reasons. This was a time when there was a problem with substandard nutrition among working poor. There was a high infant mortality rate, which was just a fact of life at the time. And as we talked about before, let's not forget that the record keeping is a little sketchy at this time as well. Right. Uh, the The life expectancy was a little different. So when people died, it was tragic, but kind of a shrugger in many ways. Yes, it was a, it was a part of sort of daily life. In March 1873, Marianne Cotton was put on trial. The prosecution was led by Charles Russell. His team called several of Marianne's neighbors as witnesses. According to two local newspapers, the Halesworth Times and the East Suffolk Advertiser, these witnesses did not paint a flattering picture of Marianne. Campbell Foster and his team were responsible for Marianne's defense. Dr. Kilburn testified that he had found arsenic in Charles's body, and interestingly, the defense team then asked the doctor about wallpaper in the boy's room. And this actually isn't as weird as it sounds, um, because during this time, 
Arsenic was used to make a lot of things green, uh, you know, clothing, you know, any sort of fabrics, wallpaper, lots of things turned green because of arsenic. And it was suggested by the defense that Charles had been poisoned by fumes from the wallpaper, but not by Marianne. And Dr. Kilborn discounted this whole proposition. And he replied that not only were the walls in the boys' room not green, uh, he thought that the idea of death by inhaling arsenic from your wallpaper was dubious at best. Yeah, it, it's such an odd defense because it would bring up so many other questions. Well, why isn't anybody else sick that lives exactly, in that house? Right? Like, I don't, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I, it was it's an interesting way to try to defend her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but going back to scientific evidence, it was not only Dr. Kilburn who found arsenic in Charles's body. A doctor at Leeds College of Medicine also tested samples and also concluded that the boy had died after being small but repeated doses of arsenic. He, too, suggested that death by green wallpaper was highly unlikely. <laughs> Additionally, both doctors also reported that they noticed similar symptoms were reported in three other people who Marianne was accused of murdering. So let's get back to Marianne for a second. So how was she holding up through all of this? I mean, this is a, she's on trial for murder. So local papers reported that she paid very close attention to the evidence, that she occasionally smiled during her trial, but mostly she held a demeanor that you could expect from someone who was on trial for murder. She appeared fearful. The trial lasted three days before the jury went out to deliberate, and it only took them about an hour before they returned. She was found guilty for the lethal poisoning of her fourth husband's son, Charles Edward Cotton. In the court of public opinion, though, she was convicted of many, many more killings. Many. <laughs> so though she was never put to trial for any of these murders, she was held responsible for the lethal poisonings of, and this is a list, 11 of her children, three of her four husbands, one lover, one friend, and her mother. And in almost every instance, in fact, I think it's the... I think it's only Frederick's sister, Margaret, that this doesn't hold true for. Uh, Marianne collected life insurance on every single one of them. An interesting note about the man Marianne did not poison. She didn't kill her third husband, James Robinson, who seems to have survived because, if you recall from earlier, he refused to take out a life insurance policy on himself. And in regard to her children, two survived. Her daughter, Margaret Edith Quick Manning, who was born while Marianne was in jail awaiting trial, survived. Although we don't actually really know what became of her after her birth. And her son George, from her marriage to James Robinson, survived, almost certainly because James kept custody of him. While waiting for her execution, Marianne did give a final statement. And included in that statement, she claimed something very interesting. She claimed that although she had indeed administered the arsenic, she had not done so intentionally. You know, you know, everybody's innocent until the very end. Was she like, I just kept accidentally putting it in everybody's drinks. I don't know what I thought I was doing. I honestly had trouble with that. I was like, how could she not know? <laughs> like, I didn't do it on purpose. I just mixed it in because I thought it was just sugar. I don't, did I don't it. know. Yeah, I just did it. Uh, so on uh, uh, on March 24th, 1873, at the age of 40, Marianne was hanged at Durham County Jail. 
Her execution was really well publicized, and there were as many as 50 people who came as spectators just to watch it happen. It's an afternoon for you. So her execution, however, did not go as planned. And this is really grim. Uh, so bear bear with us on this. Um it's short, I promise. The hangman is the person who calculates the drop distance required to break the prisoner's neck. So it's based on the prisoner's weight, their height, just sort of their general build. But this day and this hangman misjudged the drop distance. And instead of breaking the prisoner's neck, Mary actually died of a slow choking death instead. And Marianne, it seems, has a bit of a legacy. It did not take long for Madame Tussauds to decide to include Marianne in the Chamber of Horrors area of the Wax Museum, where the wax figures of other prominent murderers from history were on display. And this is what the exhibition catalog stated about Marianne. Wait, and this is a quote. The series of cold-blooded murders for which this wretch was hanged on the morning of Monday, March 24th, 1873, are crimes against which no punishment in history can atone for. The child she rocked on her knee today was poisoned tomorrow. Most of her murders were committed for petty gains, and she killed husbands and children with the unconcern of a farm girl killing poultry. The story of her crimes is still fresh in the public mind. And that's the end of the quote. And today, and actually this has been the case since 1972, you can see Marianne's small black Wedgwood teapot said to be the one in which she brewed her arsenic-laced teas. And that is at the Beamish Museum in the United Kingdom. So we're going to the Beamish Museum, right? <laughs> yes, as soon as possible. Right. As soon as we don't have to wear masks anymore. We're traveling. I totally <laughs> want to do a, a poison tour and visit all too. of the good, the, the good stories. Absolutely. Like uh, early on in the season, we had a woman named Tilly Klimek, and you can still go to her house. I want to go to her house, but I got to get to Chicago. So uh, let's end Marianne's story with a little bit of curiously, a nursery rhyme that was written shortly after her execution and dedicated to her. Marianne Cotton, she's dead and she's rotten, lying in bed with her eyes wide open. Sing, sing. Oh, what should I sing? It goes on, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Marianne. Marianne's poison, Holly, was arsenic, but let's please say that yours is not. (laughs) Not today. Okay. Maybe tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. So for this edition of What's Your Poison, I always, when I'm trying to come up with something, I think about pieces of the story that for some reason or another stick in my head. And in the instance of Marianne, the things that really just stuck with me were James Robinson, who thankfully had the wisdom to get out of that situation. Oh my gosh, right? You know, that man and saving his child. Right? He's the highlight of this whole story. (laughs) He is. There's not a lot to be, like, giggly about this one. at all. And also, the teapot. And so I thought it would be nice to make a a warm tea dedicated to James that we're going to call the one that got away. I love this, and I don't even know what goes in it yet. Oh, it's very simple and yummy. Uh, you can make it without the alcohol. It's another one of those. And you can uh, you can switch up the nature of how you serve it if you want. So uh, in a, a saucepan, first of all, make your cup of tea however you like, like a black tea. Um, and now, then in I'm a, sorry, should it be a black tea or could you use like an herbal? Would you prefer a black on this one? 
I think you're going to want a black tea on this one. You could do an herbal, but I think it's going to be overwhelmed by other flavors. That's what I wondered. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, while you're brewing your tea in a small saucepan, you're also going to take a half cup of milk. I used oat milk. You can use whatever kind you like. A quarter cup of heavy cream. An ounce of maple syrup. And then just a dash of cinnamon. And you're just going to let that start to bubble around the edges. You don't want it to boil over and get a skin. <laughs> make some just pudding. Just make sure it's warm. <laughs> Very, like, the lowest low simmer right. <laughs> so that your ingredients are combining. You know, cinnamon is never going to dissolve completely, but you, it will clump up for a while before it gets warm enough to really disperse through the whole thing pretty evenly. So uh, once that is done and you've got your tea in this milk concoction, you're going to put an ounce and a half of bourbon in your cup, pour in your tea, and then pour in this uh, maple milk with cinnamon. You can sweeten it more if you like, and you can drink it as it is hot, but you can also put it over ice. Like you can either let it cool first or you can do that thing where you transfer it back and forth in vessels with ice so that it cools more quickly. And it is very delicious cold, I must say. Throw a cinnamon stick in that and don't tell people it was inspired by poison and tell them it's like your your yummy Thanksgiving, um, you know, post-dinner cocktail or... Um, Take the bourbon out and give it to your son, George. <laughs> right? Without the bourbon, it's still super yummy. Because exactly. <laughs> um, it's a maple cinnamon latte made with tea, basically, at that point. Um, and again, I also want to make sure I stress, because, you know, I like everybody to customize everything to the way they like it. You can use as much or as little of that milk mixture as you wish. I like, you know, one part tea, one part the milk mixture, because I do like things to be very much in that latte space um, where there's a lot of dairy. But uh, if you want to lean more heavily on the, the tea or the milk, you totally do it. It with sounds delicious. That bourbon. And I, I'm going to need to make it because it sounds very holiday-ish and I'm feeling very holiday-ish. So maybe this one is going to have to happen. <laughs> yes. Thank you once again for joining us today and spending this time with us. And we cannot wait to meet you back here next week for another Poison Story. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you.